Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. All right. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, God is our good, good Father, and we are loved by Him. We can turn to God. We can talk with God. We can certainly trust in God. I want you to notice here the psalmist praised God. He said, God, you are good. You do what is good. The psalmist then petitioned God, God, teach me your statutes. Like the psalmist, we want God today to teach us his statutes, his commands, his decrees, his truth. The exciting news for us is God is going to do just that with us here in our moments together. God is going to teach us his truth by his spirit in us through his word before us, and God will also give us the ability, the power, the desire, the strength and the desire to obey his truth that he is going to download to us this morning, this day, this week, as we follow him by faith. So open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the New Testament book of Titus. We started our brand new series last Sunday titled Better Together, Doing Church God's Way. We are walking verse by verse through this New Testament book of Titus. God is going to continue making us more like Jesus as we study and apply his truth to us in Titus. And so as you're making your way to Titus, we're going to start, I think, at the best place to start. That's chapter 1, verse 1, as we embark on this journey together through Titus. uh, Paul wrote, beginning in verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Let's stop here. Paul is the author of this letter to Titus. Uh, Paul, as we know, is one of the key figures in the New Testament, one of the key figures in the entire Word of God. Paul was God's chosen instrument to take his name and the good news of the gospel to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. Paul was heavily involved in uh, sharing the good news of the gospel with the nations, planting churches, preaching and teaching and encouraging and correcting and challenging believers because of his love for believers. Paul was also highly involved in discipling and mentoring uh, the younger generation of uh, ministers, of pastor elders, uh, in their service to the Lord and the Lord's church. Titus being one of these younger ministers that Paul was ministering to. So Paul identified himself in the very first verse, the very first word of the first verse, Paul. He's letting us know. Now he begins his greeting, and what a greeting this is. Paul says, Paul, a servant of God. So we'll stop right there. Paul immediately highlights the truth that we are saved to serve. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. God has set us apart from sin, and he has set us apart to the Savior, Jesus. We are saved to serve. Paul said he was a servant of God. Servant in the original language is doulos. That means he was a servant. He was a slave. That word servant means one who is devoted to another, one who is surrendered to another, to their will and to their authority. 
Paul was a servant of God. He made this clear from the, from the very start. Paul had been crucified with Christ, and he no longer lived, but Christ Jesus lived in and through him. Paul was bought at the price of the blood Jesus shed for him on the cross of Calvary. God had rescued Paul out of the domain of darkness and transferred him into the kingdom of the son he loved. Paul received redemption, the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul was chosen by God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm a servant of God. I'm a slave of God. I'm devoted to God. I'm completely surrendered to God, his will, his authority, his direction. He wanted Titus to be reminded of who he saw himself to be. Paul was clear about who he was. So he said, I'm a servant of God. But then he continued and said, and an apostle for Jesus Christ. So he's a servant of God and an apostle for Jesus Christ. Apostle means one who is sent forth with orders by another. Apostle literally means one who is sent forth with orders by another. It means an ambassador, a delegate, a messenger. So Paul said, not only am I a servant of God, I'm also an apostle of Jesus Christ under the authority of Jesus Christ to go share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was an ambassador, a delegate, a messenger for Jesus. Paul was clear about who he was. We know this already here in Titus in the first verse of chapter 1, Paul also made this clear to us in Galatians chapter 1. If you're taking notes, jot this passage down. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul clearly identified this as well. He said in verse 1 of Galatians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle, the same thing he said in Titus 1. Now watch this. Not from men or by man. He was an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And so we know Paul was clear. He was the servant of God and the apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul's authority was in Jesus, and Paul's allegiance was to Jesus because Paul's identity was in Christ Jesus. Paul's authority was from Jesus. His allegiance was to Jesus because his identity was in Jesus. Paul here is saying to Timothy, or, or to Titus here at the beginning, I was saved by God, and I was sent out by God. I'm saved by God and sent out by God. He continues, for the faith of God's elect, for the faith. So what he's saying is, I am a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the purpose of building the faith of my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. He was a servant of God, and he was an apostle of Jesus Christ, and it was for the purpose, for the, for the faith, for the purpose of building up the faith of his brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Faith here refers to God's truth necessary for salvation. But faith here also refers to God's truth necessary for sanctification. What Paul is saying is he was saved by God and sent out by God to build up the family of God. Saved by God, sent out by God to build up the family of God. Paul's purpose was to help folks come to know Jesus, grow in Jesus, and go for Jesus. And in particular here, Paul was saved by God and sent out by God, and he wanted to make sure as he built up the family of God that the believers in the churches on the island of Crete were sound in their theology. He wanted to make sure they were sound in their faith in God, in their knowledge of God, and in their witness and service for God. It's the purpose of the letter. So Paul said, for the faith of God's elect. So that requires us to answer a question. Who's God's elect? For the faith 
of God's elect. He was a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect. God's elect are those who have received God's gift of salvation by God's grace through their faith in Jesus Christ. Those who are chosen by God in Christ Jesus. Those who have responded to God by faith in Jesus. Salvation is God's work in us that we respond to by faith in Jesus. We see these twin doctrines throughout the Word of God. And right here in verse 1, Paul doesn't waste any time. He goes right at it. Notice Paul highlighted human responsibility to believe as he wrote about faith. Human responsibility to believe, our part is faith. He also highlighted God's sovereignty to save. So he talked about God's elect. And so we see these dual doctrines throughout God's word, but we also see them right here in this passage, in verse 1. I love what Charles Spurgeon, late great prince of preachers, said about these twin doctrines about this passage. He said this. He said, God saves men by grace. And if men perish, they perish justly by their own fault. How, says someone, do you reconcile these two doctrines? My dear brethren, I never reconcile two friends, never. These two doctrines are friends with one another, for they are both in God's word, and I shall not attempt to reconcile them. And so we see this beautiful doctrine just unfolding here. Beginning in verse 1, he did not waste any time. For the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. So he said he's the servant of God, apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith, building up the faith of God's elect, his brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, those who have come to know Jesus, grow in Jesus, and for their knowledge of the truth. Their knowledge of the truth refers to their spiritual growth and maturity. Paul was a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to help his brothers and sisters grow into spiritual maturity in Christ Jesus. He taught God's truth to God's people so that they could grow in their faith in God and in the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth is a reference to God, who is the God of all truth, Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life, to the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, and to the scriptures, which is God's word of truth. So when Paul says, for their knowledge of the truth, he's doing all that he's called to do. He's a servant of God. He's apostle of Jesus Christ because he's helping to build up the faith of God's elect, his brothers and sisters in Christ. He's helping them grow into maturity in Christ Jesus and their knowledge of God, God's son, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and his work in our lives and knowledge of the word of God. Paul knew and understood faith in God leads to growth in the knowledge of God and his truth. And so Paul was clear about his identity. He was a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul was also clear, we see already in verse 1, about his purpose. His purpose was to build up the family of God and their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. His purpose was to help folks come to know Jesus and grow into maturity in Christ Jesus, so that they could go for Christ in service to those God would place around them. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, watch this, that leads to godliness. <clears throat> All of this in verse 1 leads to godliness. Godliness means holiness, means reverence for God, respect for God. Godliness is the result, the evidence 
of our faith in God and the knowledge of God and his truth. John Piper, a prominent pastor and teacher today, said godliness is a love for the things of God and a walk in the ways of God. Godliness is a love for the things of God and a walk in the ways of God. You see, we don't produce godliness in us by our desires, our effort, our will, our uh, works. We don't produce godliness in us. As we grow in our faith in God, in our knowledge of God, in the truth of his word, God produces this godliness in us. God produces holiness in us. He increases our maturity in Christ Jesus. As we mentioned last Sunday, a godly life is a sign of maturity in a follower of Jesus Christ. A godly life is a sign of maturity in a follower of Jesus Christ. That means we don't have to tell people how much we know. We show what we know about God and his word through our lives. Paul's saying this faith and this knowledge results in and leads to godliness. So watch how this works. It's beautiful how Paul's laying this out. Faith in God leads to the knowledge of God and his truth, which leads to godliness in us. And this godliness in us is built on and leads to, but it more likely it is built on the hope of eternal life with God. He continues in verse 2. He said, Paul, the servant of God, the apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In the hope of. In the hope of means the hope, the assurance, the certainty, the confidence of future good that we have with God in Christ Jesus in the hope of eternal life. Eternal life is everlasting life. It's the forever life we have with God in Christ Jesus. Paul knew the believer's hope today and for eternity. Paul knew the believer's hope is in the certainty and assurance of our eternal life with God in heaven one day in Christ Jesus. Eternal life, therefore, is the God life that we enjoy now and forever. As Jesus himself told us in John 17 and verse 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you sent, Jesus Christ. And so we see God gives us new life, abundant life, eternal life in Jesus Later on, Paul's going to talk to Titus. We're going to get to it. And he says, we are looking forward and awaiting the blessed hope. The blessed hope is the return of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Paul, servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, is sent out by God to build up the family of God, to help them grow in their faith and trust in Christ Jesus, their maturity in Christ, to help them grow in their knowledge of the truth of God's word, their knowledge of how God is at work in their lives by the power of his Holy Spirit. And this knowledge, all of this faith and this knowledge that they're continuing to grow as they've been sent out by God, it leads in godliness as they serve those God places around them. And this is all built on this faith and this knowledge and this godliness, this this work that God's doing in us, which is to be seen through us, is built on the hope of eternal life that we have uh, with God. This hope of eternal life 
that is ours in Christ Jesus. And so we know godliness today is in part built on the hope of glory tomorrow. Holiness today is in part built on the hope of heaven tomorrow. We live here and now today, day by day, moment by moment, step by step, with an eye to what is to come. It's eternal life with God that we enjoy now in Christ Jesus. And he continues there, watch this, in the hope of eternal life that God who cannot lie. Say that with me out loud. That God who cannot lie. One more time. That God who cannot lie. Now this is important. We'll find more out as we make our way through. Paul told Titus and us that God cannot lie because he's the God of all truth. He told us that There is no untruth, there is no falsehood, there is no deceit in God or with God. This is a very important attribute of God that Paul wanted to make sure Titus understood so that he could emphasize and teach this truth to the believers in the churches on the island of Crete. Reason being, one of the main reasons being, is the many of the folks who were from Crete, many of the people who lived on the island of Crete had a reputation, and it wasn't a great reputation. And their reputation, in part, was that many of those folks who were from the island of Crete, many of the folks who lived on the island of Crete, were liars. Paul later tells us that one of their own prophets said, Cretans are always liars. Paul later says, this testimony is true. Yikes. That's not great. That's not a a real good way to be known. Always liars. Paul said, this testimony is true. We know that Satan is a liar. We know he's the father of lies. So we know every lie has its source in Satan. We also know God is the God of all truth. We know God cannot, does not, has not, and will not lie. And so Paul was encouraging Titus with this, and he was reminding Titus, you need to emphasize this in your teaching and your leadership of the churches there on the island of Crete. He said, in the hope of God that cannot lie. God cannot lie. He promised before time began. This hope of eternal life, God promised before time began. This hope of eternal life, and God cannot lie, he promised before time began. So what does that mean? It means God's promise of eternal life for you and me was agreed upon by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit before time began. That's a long time ago. Before we were even created. Listen to this. We're talking about confidence here. The promise of eternal life for you and me in Christ Jesus was planned by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit before time began. Here's what that means that Paul is emphasizing. Our hope of eternal life with God is secure Because it's promised by God who cannot lie. Therefore, we can trust God in his promises to us. And so 
Paul here is reminding Titus of these rich truths, these rich doctrines from the Word of God that will help motivate him in ministry to those God's placed around him. And they help motivate, motivate us in ministry to those God's placed around us. Tim, Titus and Paul, Timothy, Barnabas, Saul, we see all these brothers and sisters, these heroes of the faith, they were saved by God, sent out by God to serve. And so he's sharing this reality. But as they go to serve, and as Titus is going to serve the churches, providing leadership and organization to the believers in the churches on the island of Crete, he's filling with this amazing truth, encouragement, strength, confidence, hope as he goes to serve, which we'll see in verses 4 and 5 as he sends him out to serve. He's getting prepped and ready for what is yet to come. And so God does the same with you and me. Again, this morning, he gets us prepped and ready for what is to come. Today's the first day of the week. We're starting it off right in God's house with God's people in his word, singing his praises. And God's getting us prepped and ready for what is to come today, tonight, this week. And so he's getting us fired up with encouragement, with hope, with strength, with knowledge, ready so that we'll be prepared for what God has. Because he's saved us and he's sent us out to serve. And he continues now here in verse 3. He says, in his own time, he has revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. And so here, Paul says, in his own time, in God's perfect timing, he has revealed his word. In God's perfect timing, God revealed his word, his revelation of himself, his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, how we're able to know God. He revealed himself, his perfect plan to us in his inspired word before us. So we know in God's perfect timing, God revealed his plan for us in his word to us, God's plan for salvation for us and everyone who believes in Jesus. God's plan for eternal life with him in heaven one day. God's plan that gives us hope today and hope for all of our tomorrows. God's plan that was decided before time began by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God's plan that helps us to live godly lives, pleasing to God. God's plan that helps to motivate us to live godly lives in Christ Jesus today and every day, day by day. This plan plan from God is revealed to us in the word of God. That's what he's telling us. But he also says this, God also revealed his plan in Paul's preaching. So this amazing plan of God that was going on before time began, in God's own time, he revealed it to us in his word during this time period, but also in the preaching and teaching of the apostles and in Paul's preaching. Here's the amazing, crazy, awesome news for you and me today. God's plan, all that we just shared, is plan for salvation for us and all who believe. God's plan for eternal life with him in glory one day. God's plan that gives us hope today and hope for tomorrow. God's plan that was decided by God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit before time began. God's plan that helps to motivate and encourage and strengthen us to live godly lives in Christ Jesus today and each day, day by day, throughout our weeks, this plan was revealed in God's word. It's revealed in Paul's preaching, but it's also being revealed in the preaching and teaching of God's word today. That's awesome for you and me. We have been entrusted, Paul said, with the word of God. Pastors, elders, ministers, Bible teachers, dads, and moms, we have all been entrusted with the preaching, teaching, and sharing of the word of God. 
to the following generations after us. This is why I am we here in our church preach and teach the word of God. This is why we have, this is why we are, and this is why we always will preach and teach the word of God. It is our joy, it is our privilege, it is our responsibility because we have been entrusted by God with his revealed word to us. It is our joy, privilege, and responsibility to preach and teach this truth. To join with these heroes of the faith, these men and women who have gone before us, to link arms with them across the span of history, to take a hold of this word which they taught, to take a hold of it and to continue sharing it with those that God places around us. What an awesome blessing for you and for me today. Paul was sharing this truth with Titus to, to help encourage him, to remind him of his purpose, to remind him of his identity. So Paul said, I'm a servant of God. Hey, Titus, you're a servant of God. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. Hey, Titus, you're an apostle of Jesus Christ. That means we've both been saved by God and sent out by God to serve God. And he was sharing this amazing doctrine, all that this foundation, this firm foundation that he has to stand on so that as he goes out in service to the believers in the churches on the island of Crete, he will go with all the confidence in Christ Jesus, with the truth of God, moving forward in the authority of Christ Jesus. Because his allegiance is to Jesus, because his identity is in Christ Jesus. What a blessing. From Paul to Titus and now to us this morning as well. So what is our application? What is your application? What's your takeaway? What's my takeaway? How is this going to impact us? How is this going to help us today, this week, as we seek to get prepared for all that God's got for us? We've been saved by God, sent out by God, and now we know we're going we're gonna to go serve God. So what is our takeaway? Let me just share a few points with you. Number one, I need to be clear about who I am. I need to be clear about who I am. I am a servant of God, and you are a servant of God. I am forgiven by God. I am right with God. I am a child of God in Jesus. You are forgiven by God. You are right with God. You are a child of God in Jesus. We have been rescued by God from the domain of darkness, and we've been transferred by God into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Jesus Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins through the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. We have been chosen by God in Christ Jesus. We have responded to God by faith in Jesus. We have been bought with the price of the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. I am who God says I am, and you are who God says you are. I need to be clear about who I am, and you need to be clear about who you are. I am a victor in Jesus. You are a victor in Jesus. I am an overcomer in Jesus. You are an overcomer in Jesus. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus. I am loved by God. You are loved by God. I am a recipient of the mercy of God. You are a recipient of the mercy of God. I am a recipient of the grace of God. You are a recipient of the grace of God. I am new in Christ Jesus. You are new in Christ Jesus. I have abundant life in Jesus. You have abundant life in Jesus. I have 
eternal life in Jesus. You have eternal life in Jesus. I have wisdom from God. You have wisdom from God. I am a new creation in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come for me. The old is gone and the new has come for you. We need to be clear about who we are. We are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. I need to be clear about who I am. I'm a servant of God. I am a child of the king. You are a servant of God. You are a child of the king. The first application, the first takeaway, as Paul was encouraging Titus, Paul was clear about who he was. He encouraged Titus to be clear about who he was. He's encouraging us. God's telling us. We need to be clear about who we are. Secondly, I need to be clear about what I do. I need to be clear about what I do. I am a servant of God, and you are a servant of God. I am saved and sent out by God to serve. You have been saved and sent out by God to serve. We need to be clear about what we are to do day by day, moment by moment, step by step. God has sent us out to preach, teach, and share the good news of the gospel and to minister and serve and bless all those gods placed around us. And we get our authority from Jesus. Therefore, our allegiance is to Jesus because our identity is in Jesus. We are able to go out in the name of Jesus by the power of Jesus alive in us. And we have the joy and privilege of using the time, talents, and treasures that God has given to us to encourage to bless, to build up, to challenge, to serve, to minister to all those God places around us. God wants us, as we embark on this journey through this amazing, amazing letter of truth from God through Paul to Titus and us, he's challenging us He wants us to be clear on who we are, and he wants us to be clear about what we do as we embark on ministry today and in this new week that God has given to us. The third point we see here is that God wants us to be clear. I need to be clear about how I live. I need to be clear about how I live, not only who I am and not only what I do, but how I live. I am to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. You are to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. We live his way, not our way. As Christ followers, we follow Christ. It's real simple. As Paul told us, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So how am I to live? How are you to live? We're to be able to live in such a way that we're able to answer the question in the affirmative, am I doing this for the glory of God? And if the answer is no, we need to have a moment with the Lord. We need to just check and have a moment with him. We need to be careful. We need to be clear about how we live. As Peter told us, be holy because the one who calls you is holy. So be holy in all you do. As we continue to grow day by day in our faith in God, in our knowledge of God, and in his truth of his word, as we grow in our understanding of how the Holy Spirit is at work in us, allowing us to grow in our faith and using us in ministry to others, as we grow in our faith, our knowledge of God and his truth, God produces godliness in us. 
He produces his holiness in us. And he empowers us to live godly, holy lives that are pleasing to him. He allows us to be the servants he has created and sent us out to be. It is a blessing to be a servant of God. Amen? It's a blessing to be a servant of God. It's a blessing to have a congregation from God. And each one of us has a congregation as we've shared and we'll continue to share as we make our way through this passage. This is truth is to us as a collective congregation. It's truth to us individually because we have all, all have our own congregations. It's a blessing to be a servant of God, but it's also a battle to be a servant of God. I know you can say amen to that. It's a battle to be a servant of God because we have an enemy that comes against us every step of our way. He does not want us to be clear about who we are. He doesn't want us to be clear about what we're to do. And he doesn't want us to be clear about how we live. You see, Paul knew this personally. Paul understood this for believers And so Paul was obviously aware of this for Titus. That's why in the greeting, Paul didn't just say, hey, what's up, Titus? Hope things are going well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good here. He said, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge, the truth that leads to godliness. And he came right at it because he understood and realized that's a blessing, but it's also a battle to be a servant of God. And we are reminded again in verse 3, as he continued to remind us, that we have been entrusted with God's Word. Each of us have been entrusted with God's Word. Therefore, we need to know it and obey it so that we can share it and show it to those God places around us. Again, perfection is never the goal. Passion for the Lord is pursuit of the Father is when we stumble, trip, and fall and turn away from God and sin against God, we confess our sins knowing God's faithful and just. He'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll restore us and renew us in our ministry to those he places around us. So we're clear about who we are. I'm clear about how uh, I live. I'm clear about what I do. And then the fourth point that he wants us to, to make sure that we're aware of is I need to be clear about what is ahead. You need to be clear about what is ahead, and I need to be clear about what is ahead. I have the hope, the assurance, the confidence, and the certainty of eternal life with God, my Father in heaven one day, by my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You have the hope, the assurance, the confidence, the certainty of eternal life in heaven one day with God, your Father, by your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We need to be aware. We need to be clear about what's ahead. Our hope is certain and secure because it's from God. Our hope is certain and secure because God cannot lie. Our hope is certain and secure because God's a faithful God. Our hope is certain and secure because we know God will fulfill his promises to us in his word. Our hope is certain and secure because we know God is who he says he is and God will do what he says he will do. Therefore, you and I need to be clear about what is ahead. What is ahead? What does that mean? It means we have the hope of eternal life with God in glory one day. You and I have this hope of eternal life with God. And our hope of eternal life reminds us 
This hope that we have of eternal life with God reminds us that no matter what happens to us or no matter who comes against us, we are good with God in Christ Jesus. Our hope of eternal life with God reminds us that nothing can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. Our hope of eternal life with God reminds us that no one can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. Our hope of eternal life with God in glory one day reminds us that if God is for us, who can be against us? Our hope of glory one day, our hope of heaven Eternal life with God in heaven one day reminds us that greater is he who's in us than he who's in this world. Our hope of glory in heaven one day, this eternal life that is ours in Christ Jesus, reminds us that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Our hope of eternal life one day reminds us that our present sufferings don't compare. They're not even going to compare with the glories that will be revealed to us one day in heaven. And we know that our hope of eternal life with God reminds us us that Jesus Christ is coming back for us. He's coming back. Jesus himself said, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back for you and take you so that you can be with me. I want to take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Our hope of eternal life with God reminds us when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see King Jesus, we're going to sing, and I do believe we're going to shout the victory. Our hope of heaven helps us live holy lives today. Our hope of glory helps us to live God's way today. Helps us to be clear about who we are, what we're to do. We're saved by God. We've been sent out by God. We're servants of God. Helps us to be clear about how we're to live. That godliness that God's producing in us is designed to be seen through us. We need to be clear about what's ahead. Don't get to get too bogged down in the here and now because we know what waits for us one day in heaven. And this promise, this hope is ours, secure in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of response. And I just want to encourage you to open your hearts and minds to the Father as he's speaking to you to respond in obedience to him. Maybe God's honed in on one of these application points. Maybe it's multiple ones of those. Our prayer partners will be standing here at the front. They would love to pray with you, pray for you. Any care, concern, need that you may have. The altar is open as it always is to come and kneel and do business with the Father. Maybe you just want to come here alone asking God to renew your understanding, your clarity about the truth of his word and what he's downloaded to you this morning. Maybe God wants you to go and be a minister to someone here, to go and pray with them, to pray for them, pray over them, to minister to them. God's reminded you of who you are and what you are to do, and that's to be a servant of the minister. And so God may call you to go and pray with someone, to bless someone, to encourage someone. I want to encourage you to, to take that step of faith, that step of obedience, that step of courage and do just that. If you desire to receive this gift of salvation that 
we discussed this morning, from God through Jesus Christ. God's son who stepped out of heaven and came to this earth years ago. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. He died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary. He paid our price that was too expensive for us to pay. He met God's demand that a holy, perfect sacrifice be made so that we who are unholy and imperfect could be made right with a holy and perfect God through the work of his perfect and holy son, Jesus Christ. Jesus was buried in the tomb, and on the third day, he rose again, victorious over sin and death for you and me. We now have the opportunity to respond to God's grace by our faith in Jesus, in his death, burial, and resurrection, his work on the cross for us, for our salvation, that opens a way for us to, to know God. What a great day today for salvation. You can receive this gift of salvation by just simply crying out to God and asking him to forgive you of your sins, receiving Jesus in your life to be your Savior and Lord, telling God you believe in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. You believe he's the only way to God. Repent, turn away from your sin, confess him to God, and receive his gift of salvation. Place your faith in Jesus. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus. These prayer partners would. We're here to minister in whatever God desires. This is God's time with us. Let's stand and let's respond in obedience to Him.